Curtis Reese, a fellow podcaster, is my guest today on the Pickleball Fire podcast. It's all about instruction today as we talk about the three zones of the court, along with a third shot and the lob. Let's get to the intro to hear from Curtis. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the podcast, Curtis Reese. How are you doing today, Curtis? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you on the Pickleball Fire podcast. And I do like to start up a little bit about your background in terms of how you came to the sport and when that was. I, like some people, uh, I was a played college and played satellite for a lackluster year. It wasn't that good. And was a tennis professional for here in Dallas for, still am a tennis professional. So probably graduated in 97 up until now. And then I'm shifting over to pickleball about five years ago. I started doing it on accident at Royal Oaks Country Club. And I just was like, let's do it. And so I started doing it, wanting to get him back on the court with my dad, who's in 79 and got back on the court for a limited amount of time. We got to hit and play the game. And I was selfishly playing it just to be with him. And then I really fell in love with it. And so it's kind of a selfish reason, but it's an amazing sport. And so that was the accident was playing with your dad. That's how it, yes. you got into it. Well, I was asked to do it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was asked to do it. I didn't really, I didn't really like believe in it, but I, I didn't really know what it was, but I'm like, you know what? I've done a lot in tennis. I'm gonna try pickleball. And so first thing is called my dad up and we, these crappy paddles that we had there and uh, I used them and we hit and he really can't move. He's a big guy, but he just can't really move. But we hit for a, probably about an hour and that hasn't happened in decades. And I realized the number one, the aspect of anybody can do it and have fun. And, and that's what it was. And it led into the certification with IPTPA level two with Matt Laz in 2019. And it led to me being starting pickleball at Royals Country Club, which is now an amazing sprawling situation. Now they just had Ben Johns back there in October. They got a, they added six courts there and then left there in 2020 before the pandemic. And did a bunch of uh, Dell Webb 55 plus communities up there and did that for a while. And then uh, I was at T-Bar up until December of last year, built the program there. And now I am at Green Hill School. We're putting in courts and they've created a director of pickleball. And that's where I'm at. And I do my show here in Dallas. Had you on. You're awesome. That's right. We just recorded your podcast, The Pickleball Show with Curtis Reese. And right. folks who've had heard me on the Pickleball Fire podcast. I spent 25 years in the DFW area, so I can tell you, you've been all over the Metroplex, but uh, yeah, I guess mostly in the North area, North Dallas area. North Dallas, yes. Yes, and uh, Lynn, I got to tell you, I mean this from the heart. I, and I'm not lying, I, I learned so much from those first couple of episodes. No, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I apologize. You make me nervous. You're all right. You make me nervous. Here we go. Three, two, one. I listen to all your podcasts and I'd say I get some, at least one or two things each time I listen to them. And if you haven't listened to them and you want to get into pickleball, you need to start with the pickleball fire fire podcast. I'm not lying to you. Well, thank you for the compliment, but let's get back to you because you mentioned it when we did the recording today and I listened to one of your podcasts. I think you had on Amy Yarbrough. Oh, you yes. talked about, yeah, you talked about the three zones. 
Yes. What are the three zones in pickleball? The three zones that I created before all this, everything switched was there's th- there should be three verbal cues for each zone. There's offensive, neutral, and defense, right? And the defensive is the terminology I use is stroke, right? Or strike the ball. That's the basically as simple as that, but you don't stay back there long enough. And really the only ball you'll really strike is really, unless you're at the reset and you're pushed back, other than that, you're trying to hit the ball with depth. That leads me to the back five which is from the baseline inside that, that uh, the uh, laundry room, not the kitchen, but the laundry room, five feet back. And you set up there to block a ball. And this comes into handy when your partner is serving because you, you both you stand back. So what you'll do is you'll both start back in the red zone or the strike zone. After you serve, you stay there till they, they see the return. Obviously, you both should step in to the neutral zone and look, or one of you should, the person who's not hitting the ball should step in there in case they try to hit a short ball or their partner can't get in quick enough as they can. And that's where you learn to block the ball to either dip, lift it right there in the kitchen, or you just drive it right between them. And then that leads you to the offensive zone, which is right there at the kitchen line or the no volley zone line. And that's where the number one cue you got is drop. So it's basically drop, block, drive. Simple as that. Or strike, sorry. Yeah. And those are definitely some of the key and key shots in the game. But let me step back to one thing that you talked about in terms of let's go back to the strike. So that's the first zone. And is that when you're returning the serve or is that when you're serving? Uh, really, it's really when it's for the, when you return. Yes. For, but for both sides of the ball, it's for both sides. After the returns hit, if it's deep, you can strike it if you want. If you're aggressive, Say singles, you probably want to strike the ball out wide. So you want to drip drive that ball, but you want to try to get in. But depending on your shot, sure, you can run in. If you, if you hit a good shot, I'm not trying to dissuade anybody from moving in after they hit the first or second ball. But as the, everybody is, players are starting to reset their points and they're starting to adjust back to reset the point to stay in the point longer instead of just going and going in those firefights. All right. And then the second zone. What was that called and where is it on the court? Uh, the second zone is five feet inside the baseline and it's called the neutral or the yellow zone. And that's where you typically would block balls. If you've hit a good return and say it's, it's a high, you hit a, an aggressive return cross court primarily, I guess I'd say that or the middle. If an opponent pops a ball up because of your shot, sure, you can let it bounce. Or you can block it, or you can drive it. You can you know, hit like an approach volley, similar to an approach volley when you serve in volley or you serve and return in tennis. That's kind of how I like to view that area right there. All right. And then I think the most, the third zone was the offensive zone. You're up at the kitchen line. And I think that's everybody really tries to get there. Probably some people get there a little bit sooner exactly. than they should, which I think is hence why you are thinking about things and probably teaching in terms of the three zones, because you don't always want to run right up to the kitchen line. No, I mean, maybe a long time ago, but you know, like tennis back in the early mid two thousands, technology just changed. And when I was entrenched with juniors and helping build and run a program, an academy here in Dallas at Brookhaven, you started to see a lot more injuries. You really did. And these were these kids, they were, they had stress fractures and everything, elbow problems, and the technology is getting so far advanced. So now that's happening to pickleball is that it's getting so big that the game's speeding up. But primarily, I like to be able to teach to all levels. 
the big kids, which is me and you and, or the little kids, which are the youngsters, right? They can't learn to come in. They can, but everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. And so if somebody's not comfortable going in, they should be able to build their game around. You can come in, but you got to be able to retreat or you can be able to hit a shot that can set you up to give you that block shot or that short, that, that lift dink you can hit from five feet inside the baseline to get in. Right. And it sounds like you work a fair amount with kids, but that's a good point with certainly people who are older seniors or people who don't move that well. You may not be able to immediately get up to the kitchen line before somebody's hit their shot. That, no, I actually don't teach too many juniors. I teach the big kids. And some of these players can't move as much as they like to. So I give them an option. They play for fun, right? So I like to be able to teach the entry level or the competitive level. And you don't necessarily have to use all three of those zones, but it's primarily for being successful with your skill set that you have to be able to play all three of those. Very true. Cause I, I think certainly a lot of the tennis players have a comfort, the five feet from the baseline or obviously behind the baseline. And then if you don't necessarily have that tennis background, I think it's kind of, you've got people who are more, more comfortable getting up to that kitchen line, do you feel like it's kind of that that middle zone that you talk about that players kind of need more work in that area, especially? Ma'am. Yeah. And it's there's no right or wrong way to teach tennis. That's what I was always taught. And it's true. And pickleball is still learning. I don't want to say there's no the right or wrong way. I'm not saying my way is right by no means, but I like I could teach all levels that need to be done, but I like to teach the one where you can learn the whole game because you could if you get comfortable with with your weaknesses, you get comfortable with what's your weakness, then you can be even more comfortable with what you're good at. And that's why I'm a big believer in being able to step back, reset the point, and get back in. But you never want a situation where I do not teach, where you're, if you are in the back five, unless you've been lobbed, which you probably won't, you don't play back. There's a transition zone. It's either you're going back to reset to the back five or the neutral zone, or you're looking to attack off your partner's shot or off your shot. Yeah, and that's definitely one of the things that is something I'm working on is attacking more out of that zone. How do you help people learn how to do it? So basically, I'm just asking you for some tips here, Curtis, for myself. Well, you, I consider you a Texan. I do. I consider you a Texan, and you are. And I was a transplant from Kansas and Missouri. Here, so we got here to go to high school. But, you know, you have to be able to have salsa. So when you have salsa here in Texas... Only place to get it. My wife's a Texan. My producer, actually, half these guys, the, basically, these are all true Texans here. And you dip that chip in the salsa, right? You don't slam it in there, right? You got to dip it and you got to eat it and you don't double dip. That's a Seinfeld thing, by the way. You don't double dip the chip. You just hit the ball soft. If you're able to, in that zone, if you get comfortable with underspin or hitting up at the lower part of the ball or what I call, we call it, I heard on one of your shows. Darn it. Australia. Australia, yes. Yes, but I'm going to amend this, okay? Because that was an amazing point. One of my rep here, a good friend of mine, he, he's from Canada. And he didn't say, <laughs> he didn't say what was told. He said, oh, hit Canada. I'm like, yeah, why not, man? Okay. So it could be Canada or I forgot what the, what the other one was. What was the one above the equator? I, I remember the, uh, the Australia, but what was the other one? Europe? Was that what it was? No, no. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm going to do that to you, I swear. <laughs> it was a great point, and I've been using it ever since. But 
my buddy Doug Kruger had been for Rack Sports. Oh, he hit Canada. I go, yeah, hit Canada. It was it was North Dakota. Ah, okay, okay, all right. Well, Canada. What? I'm sorry, I'm not to make anybody mad, but yes, you know what I mean. <laughs> but that was a great point. But if you're able to hit up at a ball, and in that zone, and not pop it up or drive it because it comes back just as fast, you can dip it right there in in the not in the laundry room, which is what I call in front of the kitchen, the kitchen line. You want to try to dip it right there in the kitchen, and therefore pickleball is a mirage because you think you can hit a ball. It has a high trajectory, right? Well, the problem is it might drop. If it drops, you have to like adjust for it. You have to reach and really not, don't have a, a chance to decide what you want to do with it, right? So I just believe that it's important to be able to play that zone if you're playing an aggressive player or you're having a bad day. Let's put it that way. Very true. Now, one of the things too that I heard, and I think it was the same episode of your podcast, you said you were not sold on the third shot drop, I think when you first came into the game, but it kind of sounds like you changed a little bit oh, yeah. of your thinking. Yeah. It, and that's a very valid point. And obviously I don't mean that it's not a bad shot. It's awesome. Every shot really, I believe depends on the strength of, of your opponent, especially at the tournament level. I think that the third shot drop is always a good shot to have, but it's been out there for so long that I, I think that maybe some people might read it. Or if you're like me, you want to try to figure out a way that you can play. If someone reads that and can get that all the time, then you, you got to adjust your strategy, right? So I think it's a great shot and I do believe in it. That's correct. And you do bring up a good point because I've got some friends that I play with on a regular basis, or actually even when I traveled to Florida, mm-hmm. very good players, but every third shot is a drop and it's very predictable. And honestly. I like to play against people who hit that third shot drop. So if I know one of my opponents is going to hit that shot every time, I will actually hit to them because it gives me what I want back so I can work with my strength. I don't even care if it's a stronger player. Even, right. But correct. if they're always hitting that shot, I it's one of my favorites to to go against. And it is good. It's a great shot. So I apologize. if I've come here saying trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm not. I think it's a great shot. I know it's a great shot, but I want everybody to understand that that there's it's always be able to play, always be able to play your opponent's weakness. And if you recognize a consistent shot, like I had a tor- terrible forehand in tennis and I was weird because I'd always run around my forehand, hit my backhand. And people couldn't really adjust to that. And my dad was left-handed. So maybe the reason why, but I'm just saying in general, I always had to adjust to my game. And so if somebody struggles with that third shot drop, oh yeah, all day, every day, any day in your sleep or wide awake, go for it. But if you recognize they're doing that, then you got to be able to mix it up. So it's just to be able to, to your opponent. One of the other points I heard on your podcast is, I think you said that you really like angles. Yes, I do. They're fun. They're yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you know, go through a couple of scenarios of what angles you're hitting, why you're hitting them, what it sets up, and how that really adds piece to your game that I think a lot of people don't really think about. Well, what I like to do is <clears throat> number one is I love to. It doesn't matter what side on typically i'll take the backhand return and depending on what side it depends on where i hit that ball obviously i would like to have the return go probably five feet with some height on it to some of its recreational fun lever level to get me time to get in but at the same time it pushes them back and i'm really not sold on 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 coming in all the way because sometimes somebody's a good lob because i got destroyed 
when I was doing some of that third, the uh, third shot drop, cause I was coming in and they were lobbing just like in tennis. And so that's when in my mind, I was like, all right, let's just open this up. It's a great shot, but this guy's good. So I, I got to figure out a way. So basically I would take, if I was on the even side, I would take that inside uh, return out back to the even side, but more to the middle. And then if that ball came in, depending on where my partner was at in the return, I would chip it out to the corner because I'm almost in on the even side. And then that pops up, that lets that ball pop up for my partner to put it away. And I really like the, the backhand because what what's the percentage you hit backhands, dollies, and pickleball 80? And with the majority of your body like that? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely up there. I know I mostly hit backhands in that situation. That's what you want. I mean, you can, you got to fall in love with that because if you're not comfortable with it, you're not becoming with comfortable pickleball because a lot of the balls come at you. So like on the ad side, if, if I am serving and someone hits me a ball to the center of the service box, I'm going to take a backhand and I'm going to take that backhand. Again, this all depends on the strength of, of the opponent, but I, I would take that backhand short ball, not a block short ball, take it right to the middle of the odd side corner right there and force the two to maybe miscommunicate a little bit, but my partner's already up. Keep, keep, have them both move towards that shot. And then hopefully that opens up the even side angle to that little corner out there to pop it up. It's probably it makes it's a bad description, but I haven't done a player progression in a while, <laughs> but it's just really to move around, take ownership of your backhand and take ownership of the angle that it needs to go to. Cause tennis and pickleball and any racket sport is a series of straight line shots. Very true. Now you mentioned just a minute ago, about being careful to maybe take a step back off the kitchen line to handle any lobs. But I also, you also told me earlier today that your favorite shot is the lob. That is correct. Why is that? Yeah. Why is that your favorite shot? I asked a mentor of mine a couple of years ago to give you, I I wanted a description because I'm totally, I'm all in. When I'm passionate, I'm all in. I want to understand why. And I had given an example of a return or a forehand or deuce, I'm sorry, even side return or odd side serve. And he gave me, give me the reason why they do what. And then I said, what about a lob? And he looks at me and goes, what do you mean a lob? I said, well, you don't lob and pick a ball. He goes, well, yeah, but nobody does it. And I said, well, I'm sure they do, but how would you define it? Is his word, Matt Laz, Matt Lazarine, it was surprise. And that's what I'm like. I like that. And I kind of took that to a whole new level because the offensive lob really is, I don't do it too often, but I like to do it when they don't expect it because I haven't done it all match. And then that takes them off the line and that opens up the drop and all the good stuff that comes with it. And so is it when you get into that dinking rally where everybody's kind of leaning forward a little bit? Is that when you throw up that offensive lob? Paddle forward, booty back, ball goes up. That's how it works. <laughs> Paddles out in front and your booty goes back and you see them reaching, right? So basically you want to pop it up and then. You, yeah, I'll tell you though, when you first start it, you're gonna eat a lot of balls, your partner's gonna hate you, but you gotta begin with the end in mind and it works. Now, if they're tall people, you're messed up, but that's a whole new story. <laughs> now, what what's a good way to practice practice the lob? Obviously, you can do it in the game over people's head, but I'm somebody I've got my lobster, I like to drill. I've never honestly found a really good way to practice that shot. And it's one I'd like to use, and sometimes I'm successful, but I'm definitely not that consistent. Okay, do you have a wall available to you or no? You have a wall available to you, right? 
Ah, uh, yeah, I probably have a wall somewhere, maybe uh, at my house. That means no. I know that about hitting wall. I'm sorry. Okay, so <laughs> that one's out. But basically, the best way to do it is you can let the ball. You can toss the ball up, right? Toss it up, and then when when the ball starts to fall, what you want to do is catch it. Catch five like that, and you shouldn't be catching them below your waist. You're catching them at your waist, and then do five balls and add the paddle. Notice I said paddle instead of racket. And add the paddle, and then first go cross court, get a little hopper out there, and throw that. And then, the th then on when you're on the eleventh to fifteenth ball, add the hopper or something, and then drop five balls, catch them, and then you just throw them underhand to the basket cross court, and then add the ball when you're on ball number fifteen to twenty, add the paddle, and you just try to have that pat that ball right there, let it drop, and then try to hit it up over over the net, into the basket. If you have somebody you don't like, have them stand in front of the net. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But just <laughs> practice that. You just got to break it down. You got to go from, you do visual, you do kinesthetic, and then you do, there's really no audio because you're not videoing it. But that's the best way to do it because you can gauge how, the ball. Because if you toss it soft, you're not going to get that. But if you toss it up, just like you lob a ball up, you get a feel of adjusting to a ball to catch and strike waist high. All right. Now let's say I do have a wall because actually they're at the, some of the tennis courts near me, there is a wall. So let's say I do have a wall because that's where you started. Yeah. So let that, okay. Face the, face the wall. Right. So then you're going to turn to hit your forehand lob, not backhand. That's another story. Uh, hit the forehand. And what you'll do is you'll hit it about probably three, not probably you'll hit it three feet. If they have, most of these walls have lines on them. the tennis line is now they have one, the one at my facility, we have pickleball lines on it. And just hit up at that ball and try to hit about, you're not too far from it, probably surprised say six feet from, soft hit up, let it go, let the ball go up over your head, right? Let it bounce twice, one, two, and repeat. And the reason you let that ball bounce twice is to focus on your timing, also your preparation. Because you won't let it bounce twice. You'll hit the other in the first bounce. Because we all hit lobs, majority of the time, it's just not, it's not conscious. It's kind of forced or we're just doing it because we don't else. Yeah, it's just, it's not consciously done. But when you learn to prep sooner, you get more confidence with that lob. Huh. Great idea. I had never thought about letting it bounce twice. I'm weird. Thank All right. Me. Well, I know you're not that weird, but because you do, because you do have a pickleball podcast. So if somebody wants to find your show and listen to it, how do they do that? We said the name, I said, think I said the name once, but go ahead and tell the audience so they can en enjoy your show too. Well, we got, it's at vocalnow.com slash show. And it says the pickleball show. It's, I can't read. I'm, I'm going old. It's flashing at the bottom right here. Or if, if you can get download, just get, go through that, the V-O-K-A-L, vocal now, V-O-K-A-L now. And it's the app, just download it. And you can see all the videos. We streams everywhere. And so that's the best way to do it. Or Curtis at ReeseBracketSports.com, C-U-R-T-I-S at R-E-S-E-R-A-C-K-E-T-S-P-O-R-T-S.com. That was the slowest spelling of my life. Sorry. And you got every letter correct. Yes. Or you can just type in Re Curtis Reese or Reese Bracket Sports. It'll populate. <laughs> but the vocal right, well, is the one where you can see it, where you can actually see the videos. So they want to download the Vocal Now app. Yeah, and I'm going to apologize to my audience if they go and listen to 
the episode that we just did because I didn't realize it was video silly me, even though I downloaded the podcast. Of course, I downloaded the MP3. And uh, yeah, I just came in from Pickleball. So yeah, it looks like I just came in from Pickleball. But anyways, all right. Well, Curtis, <laughs> thank you so hey, much. Hey, hold for on. Being... I feel bad. I didn't do you. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. I swear. (laughs) Hey, man, I get to teach you here. Yes, man. All right. (laughs) Well, I owe you a free in-studio time in here with us when you come into Dallas, and we will go eat with the friends and family afterwards, and I will take care of that. All right. Awesome. Next year, I'm sure I'll be back next year. So, yes, thank you, Curtis, for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast today. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 